Welcome to Bitcoin Sermons, the podcast that preaches how Bitcoin is connected to the coming of Jesus. It's a fascinating topic, and I think it's like the elephant in the room that not many are really talking about, even though it's so obvious. Well, whether you're a Bitcoiner or a Christian or both, this podcast has something for you. In today's episode, I thought we would look at some of the next verses in regards to the kingdom of heaven and how it is described in the Bible and how Bitcoin fulfills the description of the kingdom of God as Jesus described it. And we've looked at this in a couple of different episodes already. And I would encourage you to check that out, especially the one about John the Baptist. That kind of sets the tone for the whole study of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God as Jesus described it. And we might actually come back to John the Baptist in today's study, depending on how far we get. But in addition to that, I also wanted to kind of mention and maybe explore a little bit some of the things that happened this past week in the realm of Bitcoin. In particular, there was an incident in the news in which one party mistakenly paid an exorbitant amount of fees. And the way in which that was resolved under the Bitcoin system was just marvelous, in my opinion. And I want to talk a little bit about that. And another thing, maybe not directly mentioning Bitcoin, but definitely Bitcoin related, is the interview that Tucker Carlson published this past week. He actually made some remarks about Argentina. And then in a follow-up video, he interviewed one of the candidates who is running for president in Argentina. And both of those videos were very interesting. The interview with the Argentinian candidate was actually longer and uh, obviously more about his views, but I found some of his remarks highly interesting and highly accurate, and that's not a blanket endorsement. But that interview is worth watching to glean some important views that are accurate and relevant to the whole world right now. And in particular, uh, in the context of South America, where there is an effort ongoing to sort of step away from the dollar and embrace the BRICS currency. His remarks bear on that very much and show why South American countries or anyone in general would do much better to adopt Bitcoin than any other governmental currency, whether it's the US dollar or BRICS or any other. So these are some interesting topics that I'd like to delve into in this episode. So let's go ahead and jump right in. To start off with, I want to just go back to Matthew chapter 6. And we left off in a previous episode on this topic of the kingdom of God, talking about, well, we talked about the Lord's Prayer, which was highly fascinating. 
and and a, and a highly recommended episode to watch, or or rather to listen to. And then after that, the next verse we talked about was the one involving this distinction between the love of money and the love of mammon. And that's important to kind of review as we go into the next occurrence in which Jesus mentions the kingdom of God. So just to reread that verse, it says in verse 24 of Matthew 6, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the wording of this verse is highly specific. And when you look at it in terms of fiat currencies versus Bitcoin, with the understanding that fiat currencies are unjust, they are subject to corruption, they are subject to theft through inflation and things like that, they are subject to violence where the rich have the power to take money by force from the population. When you understand that, and on the other side, you have Bitcoin, which is a system of justice that cannot be corrupted, whose laws cannot be broken. And we'll come back to that when we talk about the overpayment of fees that was in the news this past week. But in the context of this verse, if you just look at these two different systems as the two masters that are mentioned in this verse, then the exact wording here really makes sense. And that's what I want to show you right now before we delve into the other topics. So it says no man can serve two masters. So who are the two masters? Well, in order of their existence, we have the master of fiat currency, and then we have the master of Bitcoin. And these are masters because this is who you serve. You labor in exchange for money. In today's world, slavery or servitude is not so common, but we have a different form of slavery or service, which is widely accepted, and that's simply the employment systems that we have in place around the world. By working for a company or as an independent person or in whatever capacity, as a business owner, entrepreneur, in whatever manner a person works, they serve in order to receive payment in the form of money. So the money ultimately takes the role of the master. It's an abstraction in the sense that a person, let's take an example of a store proprietor who is selling products to the general public. He is doing a service and the service that he's doing is for the general public. So his master is the general public. But it's difficult to name a specific master. You can simply lump them all together and say that his master is the money that he receives from the general public. The money sort of abstracts away the masters, the master that he's working for. Basically, every company, every person, everyone who is working is working for a profit. And that profit, that money, that income is the master whom he serves. 
Now I realize this is one take on the subject and there are other ways to look at this, but for the purpose of understanding this verse in the context of fiat versus Bitcoin, this is how you can understand the two masters, one being fiat and the other being Bitcoin. Now the verse goes on. No man can serve two masters. Why? For either he will hate the one and love the other. Who's the one and who's the other? Well, in the order of their appearance, we have fiat being the one and Bitcoin being the other. For either he will hate the one, which is fiat, and love the other, which is Bitcoin. Doesn't that describe the sentiment of Bitcoiners that truly understand the principles and benefits and moral potential of Bitcoin in comparison to fiat? When you understand that fiat is a money that enables corruption, then it's accurate to say that a good person will hate fiat money. It doesn't mean that they hate wealth or something like that. It's just hating the injustice that it enables and the corruption inherent in it as a system. And it says either he will hate the one, fiat, and love the other, Bitcoin, because Bitcoin embodies the principles of justice and integrity and possibility, hope, security, things that are worth loving. So this describes how a person will choose sides. And in this description, which is the description of a Bitcoiner, a Bitcoiner will naturally go all in to Bitcoin because he loves it. And that doesn't mean he will never utilize fiat money for certain cases as needed, but the sentiment is that he hates the one and loves the other. Okay? Or else, the verse goes on, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. So now it's not about hate and love. And this is where the words that Jesus used here are very specific and very precise, just as hate and love applied to the relationship of a Bitcoiner to the two types of money, to the two masters. Now he is describing the relationship of non-Bitcoiners to those same two masters, the one and the other. So let's break it down, or else he will hold to the one, the one being fiat, the first one on the scene, the first monetary system of the two. What does it mean to hold to the fiat system? Well, it quite simply means that, to hold on to it, to not let go of it, to keep staying in the fiat system. Doesn't that describe those who reject Bitcoin? Those who hold on to gold or hold on to fiat investments or stocks and bonds or any other real estate or any other form of securing their wealth, the forms that are connected to the existing fiat system. Yes, it's a perfect description. Or else he will hold to the one. He will stay with it. He will stay on the fiat system and despise the other, which is Bitcoin. Despising, notice it's not about love and hate here. It just talks about holding to versus despising. Now, what is despite? What does it mean to despise something? Well, I looked it up just to be absolutely clear, and it says to feel contempt 
or a deep repugnance for something. And that's kind of the modern take on it, and I think that's accurate. But I would add that it comes from despite, and similarly, the word despite or in spite of means to continue without being affected by something. And that's exactly the description of those who hold on to the fiat system despite, in spite of, the emergence of Bitcoin. They're unaffected by it, and they go on and continue in the existing system without recognizing or appreciating Bitcoin. They, in that way, cast contempt on it, and they disdain it as something unwanted and unworthy of their support. And so these words that Jesus used to describe these two masters being fiat and Bitcoin are entirely accurate. So do you see how precisely and accurately Jesus described the people in relation to the two monetary systems? For either he will hate the one and love the other, that describes Bitcoiners, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other, that describes those who hold to the fiat system and despise Bitcoin. And then he brings it together and says, of these two groups, he, he kind of summarizes the two groups, the Bitcoiners and the fiat holders, and he says, he cannot serve God, which is what the Bitcoiners do, and mammon, which is what the fiat holders do, the ones who hold to the fiat system. And so God defines here which system is which. He defines working for Bitcoin as service to God and contrasts that with working for fiat money as service to mammon. That's highly interesting and just amazing at how clear Jesus was in his words long before these two systems actually existed. Well, of course, it had an application in his time as well, where they also had a fiat system where they exchanged coins and so forth that were produced by the government of that time. And on the other side, of course, was he himself who represented the kingdom of God in the flesh. And there you had the people having to choose between those two. And the priests and leaders of the Jewish people, a lot of them chose to stay with the, the government fiat system, the worship of mammon, and so despised the Savior, Jesus Christ. Whereas many of the common people embraced Jesus Christ. They loved him while hating the injustices of the fiat system of that time. So, uh, but it's amazing how that has a new application today in the light of the emergence of Bitcoin. So that's kind of the context of where we left off in this study of the kingdom of heaven in relation to Bitcoin. And we can just continue to verse 25 now, and we'll see where this leads us. Therefore, Jesus said. So he's continuing on the same theme as he's preaching here. He says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. So it's about the, the physical needs of life. 
Don't worry about those things. Take no thought for that. Is not the life more than the meat or food and the body than raiment? So, in other words, your life and body are much more important than the food and clothing that you need. And so, behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? So, what Jesus is establishing here is a principle that if you serve him, if you serve the kingdom of God, then he will provide for your needs, just as he provides for the needs of the birds who are flying in the sky. And by extension also, he provides for the angels who fly in heaven, so to speak. And if we take this understanding now in the context of the two financial systems of God and mammon that Jesus just described and linked these remarks too, then we can understand that the things of the body, the clothing, the food, these are the things of mammon, whereas Bitcoin represents service to God. And if you focus on Bitcoin and on serving Bitcoin, then Bitcoin will provide all the things that you need, the clothing and the food. Do you see the comparison there? If you serve God, God will provide your needs. And in the same way, if you work for God's money, that is to say, you work for his kingdom, so you serve him by being employed about his kingdom, then he, in turn, provides you through that same means. And this is so clear to anyone who appreciates the fact that Bitcoin generally increases in value in contrast to fiat, which decreases in value. If you work for Bitcoin and you don't worry about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat, in other words, even if you feel poor right now, if you guard Bitcoin like you guard your life and your body, because the life and the body is more important than material things, then in due time, just as the Heavenly Father feeds the birds, Bitcoin will also grow like the seeds and nuts on the trees. Bitcoin will grow and provide your needs. And how does that growth take place? Jesus goes on to describe that in the next verse. Verse 27, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? He's talking about growth. And the fact that we grow in height, not by our own power, but by the power of God. Just as the provisions of nature also grow by the power of God. The plants grow, the trees produce fruits, all by the power of God. And why, verse 28, and why take ye thought for raiment, for your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, God provides clothing even better than King Solomon. And for context there, the Bible speaks about how wonderfully the servants of King Solomon were dressed. It impressed the world even the Queen of Sheba remarked specifically about that. Wherefore, verse 30, If God so clothe the grass of the field, 
which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? This is really amazing. And clothing in the Bible in spiritual terms refers to character and to put on clean, nice clothing is symbolic of receiving the character of Christ, of having a transformation of character, of looking like a different person, like having new clothes. And when we read this in the context of Bitcoin versus fiat, then it becomes especially clear through the preaching of Jesus that focusing on Bitcoin and serving God by serving Bitcoin is actually part of of a process through which God, in turn, not just provides your physical clothing, but provides you with a new character. Being involved with Bitcoin and studying Bitcoin transforms your character. Wow, this is amazing. And this is what Jesus said. These are his words, simply studied in the context of Bitcoin Going on to verse 31, Therefore, now that you know these things, therefore, take no thought, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed, what shall we be clothed with? Don't worry about those things. Verse 32, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. In other words, the unbelievers. Those are the ones who serve mammon, okay? They are the ones who are seeking the nice car, seeking the nice clothing. They are the ones who are into crypto just to get rich quick, okay? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. That's just kind of a parenthetical note. But why should you not worry about those things? For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. So God knows your needs. And he knows how to provide them. And if you serve him by promoting the interests of his kingdom, by working for Bitcoin, then he will, through those same means, provide all the things that you need. In the same way that money always provides your needs, only God will do it better without the injustices of the fiat system. And we'll talk about those injustices when we talk about the video from Tucker Carlson about what's going on in Argentina. That's the contrast to how the Heavenly Father provides your needs through sound money. And now we come to verse 33, which is where the kingdom of God is actually mentioned. All this was in the context of the kingdom of God, but here it comes in literal word. But, he says, in other words, in contrast to worrying about the things of mammon, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his justice. And in this context, the kingdom of God is represented by Bitcoin, a system of just money, righteous money. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Bitcoin, and his righteousness, the justice that that system brings. And all these things, the clothing, the food, all the things you need, shall be added unto you. Take, therefore, no thought for the morrow or for tomorrow, because the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, 
Don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough trouble today. Today has enough troubles. In summary, this whole sermon from Jesus says, when applied to our time today, he says to us, just work for Bitcoin, lay up for yourselves Bitcoin, hodl Bitcoin, and don't worry about the physical needs of life. Those things will work themselves out. Bitcoin is the money of the kingdom of God. And when you serve him by supporting his kingdom, by buying Bitcoin, by hodling Bitcoin, by promoting Bitcoin, by helping Bitcoin adoption, by working for Bitcoin, when you do that, when you serve God, when you love him, you will be transformed in your character. You'll be given new clothes. And as far as the physical things, the things that the world worries about, you don't need to worry about those things. They will work themselves out. Take care of the important things. Take care of your life and your body. Those are the things that Bitcoin represents, the, the life itself. When you work, when you invest your life, your energy, your physical strength, your body, when you invest yourself in your work, that payment that you receive is your very life. It is your very body. And when you appreciate that, when you take care of that by storing it in hard money, in Bitcoin that doesn't degrade, then you are preserving your life and your energy and your body. But when you store that, when you store your earnings in fiat money that's degraded, that's stolen, that's devalued, then you are not protecting your life and your body. Do you see how much depth is in the words that Jesus spoke here and how accurate and precise every word applies to the time we live in? I find this just amazing. And as I say often, when I dig into these things, I find it to be a real encouragement. It lifts my spirits. It strengthens me. It gives me confidence in the way that God works. And now I want to bring in some of these topics that I mentioned. I think first let's talk about Tucker Carlson and his interview because I think that was highly interesting, but I want to come back later to the other topic. I would rather close with the other topic about the great mistake in fees that were paid in Bitcoin and how that was resolved. I want to come back to that and kind of end with that topic. So so let's go into Tucker Carlson. Now, he was, just for context, for those who might not be familiar with him, he was speaking on Fox News regularly until he said something that, you know, raised red flags for them and they dismissed him. And so what he did is he started his own program on Twitter. And so he shares videos on Twitter now instead of doing programs on Fox News. And so you can find him on Twitter. And just for the context here, Twitter is a platform that has kind of been struggling with freedom of speech uh, ever since Donald Trump was removed from Twitter. And in response to that, a new system is being developed by the people called Noster. That's the name of the protocol, but there are many apps that use this protocol, such as Plebster, such as Damas for iOS phones, such as Amethyst, such as Iris. Many of these work on desktop as well as mobile devices. And all of these apps are independently developed, which is good because it's not 
one company developing this thing. And they all share the same protocol, which is a community-developed protocol called Noster. And the way this protocol works is such that it cannot be easily stopped, like Twitter, where the government can just come in and say, thou shalt, and then Twitter has no choice but to comply. It's similar to the way that decentralization in Bitcoin is what actually makes it resilient against central control. It's not exactly the same thing, but it enables free speech that is outside of government control as a solution to how uh, Twitter and other platforms that are centralized uh, can be and have been and are controlled by the government. And so, so I just want to kind of promote that understanding and that knowledge. But Twitter was kind of the first step in the direction of free speech that Tucker Carlson found it advantageous to take. When Fox News censored him, then he came onto Twitter. Okay. And if Twitter censors him, then there are options where he can go after that if necessary. And sometimes all it takes is for those options to exist. And that can secure the other platforms because Twitter knows that if it goes too far in its censorship, people will simply leave and go to other platforms where they can exercise free speech. So that, that's an important topic. And I just wanted to mention that for those who might not be 100% up to speed on those things. Now to Tucker Carlson. Basically what he did is he went to Argentina and he visited the country and contrasted how great the country of Argentina is in its natural resources, in its people, in its culture, in its history, in its architecture of the past, and how that has been run into the ground through communist ideologies, and how the architecture has been replaced with drab, ugly communist architecture, how the financial system has gone into the direction of socialism, and how basically the whole country has been run down to the point that people often find it advantageous to not work, because it's more profitable not to work than to work. And that's just, that's just an incredibly horrible that such a thing happens. So he gives a very eye-opening view into Argentina. And one of the things he does in his videos, he's, he exposes that the government gives an unfair exchange rate when exchanging U.S. dollars for the local currency. And that there are underground, you know, caves, they call them, where you can go to get an actual fair exchange rate, but these are hunted down by the government and against the law under the current regime. And so it just shows in very clear terms how the fiat system is corrupt. And this is the what you might call the end state or one of the later phases of that corruption. And it gives insight into where the rest of the world, including leading nations like the United States, are headed through all the money printing that's going on. So great video. Just find that on Twitter. It was published this past week. And he also released another video the next day 
with his interview with Javier Mille. And this was a highly interesting interview, and I really urge you to watch it because this is a man who is a Catholic. He's running for president, and among his remarks, he exposes Pope Francis as being a communist, which is absolutely correct. Pope Francis was the one who spoke in front of the United Nations General Assembly in 2015, and he urged the nations of the world to redistribute wealth, and they immediately complied. And the mechanism for doing that is the printing of money, which is then funneled through organizations that redistribute the wealth. So the nations have done what Pope Francis has asked them to do, and this redistribution of wealth in itself is a communist principle. And this presidential candidate in Argentina, in the very land where Pope Francis comes from, lays bare the character of Pope Francis without mincing any words, even showing how he and the communists are guilty of bloodshed. Very interesting. Even more, he talks about how communism because of its intention, its purpose to meet the needs of all people. He talks a lot about the principles behind that and how you can recognize them. But in order to successfully accomplish that purpose of meeting all people's needs, communism would have to be omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. It would have to know everything, be everywhere, and have all power. In other words, communism is blasphemy. It's taking the place of God. And by showing how Pope Francis has led the world in these principles of communism, it's clear as day that he is the great blasphemer today. Wow, I can just say, watch that video. It's highly interesting what an Argentinian presidential candidate is saying about communism and about Pope Francis, a man from his own country, and what communism has done to Argentina and what Pope Francis is doing to the world. Well, I'd like to circle back now to the topic of the mistake that Paxos made in sending exorbitant amounts of fees on the Bitcoin network accidentally. And I've searched for Paxos fees, and the first article that comes up here is from Crypto Potato with the headline, Bitcoin miner F2 pool returns to Paxos the overpaid transaction fee worth $510,000. So that's what happened this past week. And it's highly interesting, especially in light of what we studied in Matthew chapter 6 in this episode. Now, just to give you a little background, transactions on the Bitcoin network are final. You cannot reverse a transaction. It's not like a bank where you can say, oh, that was an error. Please, can you reverse that transaction? There's nobody in the world who has the power to reverse a Bitcoin transaction. That's part of the justice of the system. Bitcoin is a system that enforces justice relentlessly. And when you submit a transaction, it is your responsibility to be sure that that transaction is accurate because it cannot be reversed. 
That's the divine justice of Bitcoin. It might seem disadvantageous to the party who's making the transaction, but when you think about it in terms of the other side, the other party, this immutability of transactions guarantees that nobody else can dispute the transactions that you've made. Nobody else who has more power, for example, can say, no, 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 his transaction is invalid because of XYZ, blah, blah, blah. No, Bitcoin ensures, it gives strength and defense to all equally for their transactions. Now, a transaction fee at this time is typically averaging around $2, just to put it in perspective. And Paxos accidentally submitted a transaction that included paying a fee of $510,000. So now normally the fees don't cost any more, no matter how large or small the transaction is. And in this case, the transaction was relatively small, $2,000. And it's simply nonsensical to pay a fee of $510,000. It was an error outright. And it says the responsible party, Paxos, acknowledged its error and identified it as a bug in a single transfer. So it was a one-time mistake, and they recognized the mistake, and they were responsible. They were the responsible party. It was their fault for making this mistake. And that's significant, too, because the way Bitcoin transactions are done, it is the responsibility of the party making the transaction, the party paying the money, to ensure that the details of the transaction are accurate. So what's amazing about this story, though, is that it illustrates what we just talked about in the book of Matthew. We read that when you serve Bitcoin, when you serve the kingdom of God, then God will take care of you. So there's a certain mercy mingled with the justice here of God's kingdom. So God is a God of justice, but he's also a God of mercy. And that's what this week's events in Bitcoin testify to. And that's what I want to bring out from this article here. You see, when the system itself enforces absolute justice, it devolves upon the human elements to recognize where mercy needs to be given. And for the F2 pool to recognize that Paxos made an error and to show grace in that situation by voluntarily, willingly returning that money to Paxos that brings out goodness in humanity. Let me just read from Crypto Potato here. It says, Lop, that's Jameson Lop, a respected figure in the industry, Lop commended the BTC network, the Bitcoin network, for its cooperative nature after the return. He expressed that Bitcoin is an adversarial network. That sounds bad at first, but it just means that it protects the interests of every party. So anytime you do a transaction with someone, the other party has his own interests at heart, and you have your own interests at heart. And you come to an agreement and make a transaction and do an exchange based on meeting each other with mutual interests to make a fair transaction that is equitable to both parties and meeting the interests of both parties. And so recognizing that each 
party has his own interests is what it means to be an adversarial network. It just means that every party is treated as having his own interests. And so Lop here expressed that Bitcoin is an adversarial network, but on the flip side, it's also a cooperative one. And that refers to the way that Bitcoin is decentralized. It's a distributed system run by many, many, many individuals all around the world. And that's why it is so powerful and so resilient and so just. So he's kind of bringing to light both aspects here. It's an adversarial network that protects each individual's interests, but also it's a cooperative network in which all of the individuals work together for the existence of this network. It's the same way that we all agree together that money can be used for exchange. So we all kind of cooperate on the fact that this piece of paper has any value. But on the other side, we all still have our own interests in mind. So Lop emphasized that miners, being human, understand that mistakes can happen. While keeping excessive transaction fees could yield short-term gains, he considered the decision to return the funds as the humane choice. So in other words, Bitcoin brings out the humaneness in humanity. It brings out the good in humanity. It changes the character, even though everyone has their own interests at heart. And that's what the Bible said in the verses of Matthew 6, that when you seek Bitcoin's best interests, when you cooperate in the Bitcoin network, it will protect your adversarial interests. It will protect your individual interests. But it will also change you. It will provide you with clothing, with a good character, a clean character, new character, with clothing even more elegant and attractive and beautiful than the clothing of Solomon. Clothing like the lilies of the field that is made by God. Clothing, character that is of divine origin, full of grace and truth. That's the fruit of the Bitcoin network. That's the fruit of doing business in Bitcoin. It changes your character. Everyone knows, I mean, F2 Pool knows that if they didn't show goodwill in this situation, it would reflect bad on their character. It would be a blot to them. It would, it would give them a bad reputation. People wouldn't want to do business with them. And those who do business in Bitcoin and don't adapt their character, they will ultimately be sidelined and, and lose profits and ultimately be financially punished for their poor character, while those who develop a good character will be rewarded, just as F2 Pool is now commended by industry figures and they've earned a little star in their reputation that might contribute to their future prosperity. So Bitcoin is the invisible hand of God that protects his people, that provides for their needs, and that punishes the wicked. It brings divine justice to the world, but at the same time, it inspires grace and mercy in the hearts of human beings. I think that is wonderful. I think that is beautiful. And I think this week, this was a great illustration and one that comes just in time, I think. And I often say that when I 
get into the subjects of this podcast, it really strengthens me and encourages me. And today was one of those days when I started to read those verses with you in the beginning of this episode and began to unpack how that relates to the events of this past week. It really strengthened me. It encouraged me. And I hope that it did the same for you. The Word of God is powerful. And Bitcoin, as the money of His kingdom here on earth, is also powerful. And so I just encourage you, as always, to support Bitcoin. Support the system. Promote it. Look for its best interests. No man can serve two masters. Love Bitcoin and hate the fiat system. Not in a malicious way, but in the same way that God hates sin because the fiat system enables bloodshed and injustice even at the highest levels of power in this world. And Bitcoin is the solution to that. So I hope you were blessed and have a great new week. Bye-bye.